this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I mean, there's some problems. There's no problems. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season six, episode ten of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Wrecked. As well as Gilmore Girls, he's slipping on bread. Dig? I'm excited to talk about these with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know which one I think is better. Yeah, I think I will decide based on our discussion. Same. So you've got a show coming up. I do. Tomorrow night in New York at Caveat Theater. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, that's Wednesday, November 16th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. The restaurant show that I did back in August, we're doing it again. Yeah, but you've made a bunch of like changes to it. It's a similar yeah. show, but you've got like new sketches and you've rewritten sketches. Yeah, we shortened it a little bit. We swapped out some sketches, put in some new ones. It's a it's a work in progress. The other one went great. We just want to try out some some other stuff that we wrote because we wrote too much stuff initially. Yeah, it was like an entire Gilmore Girls script. It was too many too many pages, too yes. much dialogue. Yes, we've got a few new cast members. The ticket link is in the episode description. If you're in New York, I would love to see you there. And also, we do have a streaming option available. So literally any of you could tune in at 9.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night, Wednesday, November 16th. And I think it's $10. You can, you can watch the whole show from your living room or your phone probably. So if you're free tomorrow night, I would love to see you on the internet. I probably won't know that you're there, but I would love for you to watch it and tell me what you think. Something I want to mention is that we get lots of positive feedback on our show, which is fantastic. But we also have a couple people that will point out that like, oh, how did you miss this thing? That's like, if you watch it three or four times, you might notice. It's like, well, we, we haven't watched it three or four times. You know, we're watching this. This is your first time seeing Buffy at all. And this is my second time seeing Buffy season six. And the last time I saw it was like 20 years ago. So, you know, we're probably going to miss some stuff. And you know what? If we do, let us know. I want to know the stuff that we're missing. I'm just putting that out there, you know, that... Forgive us if we miss something that you thought was obvious when you've seen the show eight times. We've only seen it one time, and we're going to miss little things. Like, did you know that Willow's gay? I had not picked up on that. It's like not, the show doesn't tell you. It's, I guess it's a subtle thing. I don't know. Xander's toxic? What? When? Where? When? Name one time. <laughs> Name only one time. Uh, before we start, though, also, I wanted to mention October's over. Wow. Breaking news. <laughs> Just a lot of you right now are like, is it, fuck, is it November yet? The October's over. They were waiting on us to tell them. Set your clocks yeah. back if you haven't already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to put this out there. If you're looking for a good horror movie, Stacey and I just saw Barbarian. And I have a couple things I need to say about it. We really liked that movie. It's very original, just different. But the thing we have to tell you is you just, you can't read anything about it. It's, I think the movie is much better not knowing anything about it. Because it's a movie that sort of plays on your expectations. Mm -hmm. That's like sort of a lot of the tension is just like not knowing what's happening or who to trust. And I would recommend the movie. That being said, the caveat I would give is that there is probably I should give you trigger warnings for some stuff that's in the movie. But I also can't say what it is because right. you're going to go see. It. Right. It's on HBO. I did know the tiniest little bit of information about it, which wasn't shocking. But yeah, 
I don't think that ruined it for me, but um, I, yeah, I would recommend knowing nothing as well. Yeah, uh, it is gory. It's not like the goriest movie in the world. It's not like hostile. You're not gonna watch like torture porn, but it, it's uh, there's some things that might be disturbing. But it's it's a great horror movie. We loved it. Best I've seen in a while. One more thing before we get started, we do have a couple five star reviews. Oh, thank you so much to Planty M. I like that. It's like Auntie M, but Planty M. Oh, and you're probably gonna like this next one. Yeah. Also, thank you to Stacy Spells Magic. I don't know if it's me, Stacy, or if this person is also Stacy. They just like the name, or they don't know how to spell magic. S T A C Magic. Well, thank you so much for your reviews. Well, this week we started with Buffy. Let's get to it. Stacy, can you tell us all about Wrecked? Oof. This is a heavy one. It is. Yeah, it's a. It's heavy. This episode is about Willow just diving right into heroin. <laughs> right? I mean, it's magic, but it's it's heroin. Yeah, this, the original title was uh, Requiem for a Wicca. <laughs> it, it's, it's a very fast and hard journey into the dangers of addiction. Yeah. And Buffy is also dealing with her choices. Buffy's also dealing with her addiction. Yes. To dick. <laughs> Hers is not quite as dangerous of an addiction, but um, kind of. Well, I think her addiction would be offended that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's waking up from their mistakes from last episode. Tara and Dawn's mistake was falling asleep on the couch, and now Dawn's got a huge wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, wait a minute. How come nobody came and woke us up? Did Buffy and Willow knock them home? They go to check both of their rooms without knocking. What if they both came home passionately kissing someone all the way up the stairs and didn't even notice Dawn and Tara sleeping on the couch? What if Buffy and Willow are together in one of those rooms? Well, that's not the case. No. The beds are all made. Seems like nobody ever came home. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Emily didn't make them. I <laughs> know, I was thinking that too. <laughs> Sorry, that's a deep cut we didn't even talk about on the podcast. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. In the previous episode, Richard couldn't find Emily. He thought she hadn't come home because the bed was made. And she's like, I made the bed. I know how to make a bed. Of course I know how to make a bed. I usually remake it because the man doesn't know how to make it. God, that was like exactly what she said. Anyway. I lied to you. I've seen all these episodes a hundred times. <laughs> Buffy wakes up naked next to a naked spike in a pile of rubble. Well, next to what is probably supposed to be a naked spike. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> she asks, when the building fell down, did you not notice like immediately the whole time the building was falling down? <laughs> Spike's on cloud nine, but she's experiencing regret. She's like rushing to get dressed, realizing she left Dawn all night. He tries to go for round two. I think it almost works. This is pretty well done because he's supposed to be naked, but her and parts of her clothing are like very skillfully covering his bits, even when they like move around on the ground. However, in at least the Hulu edit, you could see he's wearing like nude underwear in some of the shots. Yeah. Maybe he's not supposed to be naked. It doesn't really matter. He wears nude underwear? Yeah. I don't think Spike wears underwear. Yeah, 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 you're right. But Spike ruins the moment with some Spike comment about trying to fuck a slayer. And he says, like, vampires get her hot. She's like, no, one vampire did. You're just convenient. Ouch. Spike's like, I'm done being used by you. She's like, whatever, this isn't going to happen again. She tells him she'll kill him if he tells anyone. And he asks if she'd like her underwear back. She responds by punching him. This scene is so interesting because... She is, like, super mean to him. Yeah. Like, very, very condescending. And I feel like you feel bad for Spike. Mm-hmm. 
but also you have to remember that he is like a psychopath murderer. So then I'm like, yeah, I guess I don't feel bad for you. And he's sort of mean to her too. Yes, like he is. He's very her aggressive. He thinks he knows what she's thinking, and and he's very aggressively pushing for more sex, like physically. Yeah, 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 totally. But she doesn't seem to hate that. Also, I don't know. Like I shipped them, but not like this. Like this is just like bad and toxic, and like you know it's not gonna go great at least for a while. And it's just like not really fun to see her be mean to him because we do like him. Right. Like, honestly, though, someone, like, if he were a villain, which he is, you wouldn't mind her, like, being mean to him. But in this context of, like, her being super mean to someone she just made love to, it just feels bad. You can't help but empathize with him. If he wasn't in love with her, too. Yeah. I think that adds an extra layer. Like, well, he does just kind of want this to be, like, a relationship. Yeah. Tara's calmly making pancakes when Willow and Amy come in. It's morning. Then they're just coming in. So it's a little awkward, because... Tara doesn't know Amy. Willow introduces Amy the rat as Amy the rat, and then she apologizes. And Amy's like, no, that's fair. I was a rat. <laughs> when Amy turned herself into a rat, did she think she'd be able to undo it somehow? Or was her know. plan to just wait it out and hopefully someone would turn her back eventually? I think she thought she could undo it. Because, like, Wreck says something to her later, like, shouldn't mess with spells you can't handle or something like that. But also yeah. she was about to be burnt at the stake. So she might have been like, I'll just take my chances as a rat. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because she had to know that Willow didn't know how. Yeah. Or that like random people she came across as a rat wouldn't be witches or know she was a human. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that as a rat, I don't know how much agency or like cognition she had as Amy. But she might have been able to try to find like Wreck. <laughs> like, can you fix me? Yeah, maybe. Although she doesn't seem to have a concept of the passage of time. Right. But maybe she didn't know that at the time when she did it. Because right. it was like, I'm about to get burnt at the stake, so I got to do something. And then Amy blabs and blabs about how amazing of a witch Willow is. She tells her she's messing with dimensions and everything. She made some guy's mouth disappear. Tara's right there, mind you, when she doesn't want Willow to be doing magic. She eventually realizes she's said too much. And Tara's like, yeah, I'm out. Bye. Yeah, poor Willow's like, uh, mm, maybe don't, uh, mm, uh, mm, don't. Yeah. Then a bruised and banged up Buffy comes home. <laughs> I forget it. It is funny. Willow reveals that she didn't come home either. And Buffy seems annoyed, but like also can't really fault her because she also stayed out all night. It's awkward because they're both kind of like, I mean, I would do if I knew you did. Uh, sorry, Don. They're both very tired. So they head off to bed. Don's like, cool. I'll just chill till Child Protective Services comes for me. Yeah. Willow tries to magic her curtain shut, but it doesn't work. That's new. She's been, like, tired after spells before, had, like, headaches and stuff, but we've never seen it straight up busted. Yeah, I mean, I guess she just spent all her magic. Like in Stranger Things. Her battery is low. Yeah. The next day at the magic shop, Xander, Anya, and Buffy are back at their research. Anya's got her hair done since last night, I think. Yeah, I don't think they address her hair, but it's, like, very different. I guess... That's possible, because presumably Buffy slept for a while, so it's like mid-afternoon. She could have gotten it done. I also can't quite tell if it's different. She definitely has it styled differently, but it looks way more blonde than it no, did in the previous No, it's It's definitely been dyed or bleached. But Anya isn't researching demons. She's researching wedding stuff. She's got bridal magazines hidden in her books. Xander tells Buffy that Anya has a theory that Martha Stewart froze that guy. Martha Stewart. Remember that. Martha Stewart. Anya says, don't be ridiculous. Martha Stewart isn't a demon. She's a witch. <laughs> Xander and Anya are getting a little fed up with researching because they're not getting anywhere with this freeze-ray diamond demon. 
So Xander suggests Buffy hits the streets. Maybe get Spike on it. Buffy's like, no, no Spike. No, we stay put. Stay away from distraction. Anya wonders if Willow can maybe do something. And then Buffy has to tell them that Willow's home sleeping because she was out late with Amy. Xander doesn't like this, but Buffy kind of defends her because Buffy is also going through something and coping unhealthily. Yeah, there's some projection here. Yeah, she's like, we all do stupid stuff. And we learn from our mistakes. Yeah, sometimes you just love dick. Like, we'll, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Buffy's like clearly justifying her own actions. Yeah. But Willow goes out with Amy again that night. She tells her it took her all day to get her powers back. And Amy's like, yeah, I don't really care. Let's go do magical heroin in this real sketchy guy's mobile drug den. <laughs> yeah. That's not what she says, but that's what happens. That's what the script said. <laughs> <laughs> but add magic words. She says she knows this guy who knows spells that last for days and the burnout factor is like nothing, which seems untrue. She says he can take you to places you can't even imagine. So Amy's done this before? I guess. She was like going to high school. It seems like real addictive and bad if you do it one time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she did some light stuff when she was there. Yeah, know. it's possible Willow's getting more of it, whatever it is. Right. So this guy's place like moves. You got to find it by just like walking around alleys until you like feel a hot force field. And we learn later only like witches and vampires and demons can like feel it. So you go through the force field and then you end up in this like gross lobby with people that don't look like they're making the best decisions. <laughs> yeah. And the dude's name is Rack. When he comes out, everyone's like begging him for their turn. He's like, nah, these two people that just got here are next. I guess Amy and Willow seem fresher. It's not really explained why he just forgets the line. They know the owner. <laughs> By the way, this guy is the same guy from the episode Helpless. Uh, yeah, we thought he was. It's the same actor. The guy that Buffy had to, like, do a Watcher's Council test against. He was, like, a memorable vampire. But I think a lot of it's his, like, voice and face and projection. Stature, too? But, yeah, he wasn't really, like, that made up in that episode. Yeah. Like, I think he had some kind of prosthetics, but he's basically human in this, right? I don't know. Physically? Couldn't tell you. I mean, he looks human. His eyes messed up. So he takes them back. Like Brian said, he gives Amy shit for turning herself into a rat. And then he starts rubbing his hands together. A lot of sparks and glowiness. He says Willow's giving off vibes. There's a lot of power coming off of her and waves. He's like, so what do you want from me? She's like, I don't, I don't know. Amy did this. He's like, oh, did Amy say how you could help me? And he tells Willow that she's got to give a little to get a little. And he touches her chest saying he's just going to take a little tour. Never really explained what just happened, but afterwards he sniffs her and tells her she tastes like strawberries. Not creepy at all. Yeah, it's like she allows him to do this, but it, it's not clear to us as viewers, what the hell is he doing? Because she, I think more happens after this, but yeah. she almost seems a little high after just that. Oh yeah, I think she gets something from it. But like, before I did anything, I would be like, cool, but Amy, like, what is he, is he like, is he casting a bad spell on me right now? Like, I just would like to have an idea of what's happening. Yeah, because, like, Willow really threw caution into the wind when she even agreed to do this. Because they yes. were going, and she's like, is it dangerous? And Amy's like, would that stop you? And we don't hear her answer, and they go. And then dude's like, you got to give a little. I'm like, what am I giving? I need to know what I'm giving before you go ahead and start taking. You know what I mean? If it's, like, my life force or something, nah, maybe I don't want to give that up. You're, like, part of your soul? Your bank account? You got to ask those questions. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like when you're doing heroin, you know what you're giving. Yes. It's your health and your money. And you know what you're getting. 
Yes. <laughs> this guy's just like, I'm going to do something weird to you, but I got to take something weird first. You're like, what is it? Can you describe one of those things? And like, it could have been like her eyesight. Yeah. Her arm. Her face. Like, I would have had questions in this sober state. Like, Willow goes into this kind of hungry for more magic-wise, yeah. but I don't think she goes in there, like, desperate for the next level. I don't know. Yeah. She's, like, intrigued, and I think she's definitely interested, but, like, there's a lot of red flags. So then Rack sort of just chills on his couch while he, like, does spells to both of them. Amy's, like, spinning really fast in a circle. Willow's just, like, drugged out on the ceiling. It's very train spotting. Yes. Then the room sort of turns into, like, a green forest where Willow sees a demon. This makes her scream. She falls to the floor. Then she kind of like astral projects to the bronze. Then she's outside the magic shop. And next thing she knows, she wakes up the next day on her bedroom floor. She takes a shower. She seems really unhappy with herself. She comes out of the shower and sees a box of stuff that Tara left behind. She grabs some clothes, puts them on the bed, and then brings to life like a blow-up headless Tara doll that she snuggles with. It was very (laughs) weird. I kind of liked it. I was like, yeah, that's something you could do with magic, I guess. It wasn't sexual. It was just, well, as far as we could see. It was very just cuddly. It was yeah. sad. She, like, put her head on Tara Doll's lap. Yeah. I imagine that was just Amber Benson in, like, a green suit. Yeah, probably. Or somebody. Probably was her. I was like, is Willow still high? What is happening? <laughs> this episode's wild. Dawn's left to fend for herself for who knows how long now. So she's making peanut butter and banana quesadillas, which honestly would try. I'd try to. I like peanut butter and banana on bread. How bad can it be hot in between tortillas? Well, it's not good, according to Dawn, in about a minute. Yes. Despite the fact that Amy told Willow there'd be no burnout, she seems kind of burnt out or like hungover almost. Yeah. She doesn't really want to eat. She's drinking a lot of water. Dawn lets Willow know that Buffy's going patrolling and is like, but you're going to be around tonight. Right? I'm pretending like I'm fine, but look what I'm eating. <laughs> well, I was like, sure, we can go to dinner and a movie. It'll be super fun. And then Donna admits her food was gross. She's very excited to go out. After they leave, Buffy comes home and hears some glass shattering upstairs. It's Amy stealing stuff from Willow's room. Buffy pushes her up against the door. She catches her with a big bag of green stuff. Amy's like, it's not what you think. It's sage. Buffy's like, that is what I think it is. <laughs> She also finds some kind of device on her. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but in this metaphor, it's definitely like a pipe. Yeah. She's like, Willow wants me to have this stuff. She understands. I don't know. The train spotting scene was pretty heavy handed with the drug metaphor. But this is the scene where I was like, all right, we get it. Magic is drugs. Yes. It was just like a a teen getting caught with like weed or like, I don't know. It felt really after school, especially like this was seventh heaven suddenly. Yeah. And I know some people disagree with me on this, I think, but like. Willow's downfall into magical addiction is like, it's, I believe it's too fast. I think we needed a couple more episodes of her before she gets to this point. But specifically this episode, it's just, she goes from zero to 60 so quickly. She goes there one time with Amy and now Amy's like a twitching drug addict. Now she is twitching maybe because she was also a rat, which you could justify. Yes. I, I like that her behavior is very twitchy. Yeah. I, I think that is interesting because you could say it's the drugs, but it also kind of makes sense because she was the rat. Right, which is maybe clever, but this scene, though, is just so, like, you're like a junkie after one time at this, and it seems like Willow did most of this stuff. Uh, And Willow, too, it's like, one time you're like this? Now, I will say, guys, that it's magic, so, like, anything's possible. You could become a crazy addict after one time because it's magic, and magic, by definition, can do whatever you... That is true. The story says it can do. necessarily heroin. Yeah. 
I don't know how heroin works. I know it's probably great and like you should do it. No, <laughs> <laughs> we have a sponsorship with Wink Heroin. <laughs> Obviously, you should not do heroin. Right. But I, I don't know that after one time, your life is ruined. You probably definitely want to do it again after one time. But I feel like what follows is very irresponsible of Willow. And I kind of don't buy that she couldn't wait like two hours. Right. There's also some more stuff about this whole thing that I kind of want to talk about, about like what they're actually doing. But maybe we'll wait till the end. Okay. Well, Dawn and Willow have finished dinner and are walking to the movie. And she asked Dawn if she had fun with Tara the other day. She's like, yeah, but I can tell Tara's sad. Also, you seem bad. And we're definitely not going the right way. And I still have a wedgie. <laughs> she doesn't still. <laughs> Willow's like, yeah, we're going the long way. We got to make one quick stop. No big deal. And I think you guys know where the stop is. It's Rack's place. Don's like, what is this now? The movie starts at nine. Willow's like, totally, totally. I'll be just a minute. Apparently it's a slow night at Rack's because she just walks back there. Cut to 10.05 and Don's still waiting. Willow's in the back, floating. Rack says, what do you think, Strawberry? Can you handle some more? It's interesting because in the last episode where they were doing a bunch of magic at the bronze, someone had gotten turned into like a giant strawberry. No. It was in a strawberry costume. So he gives her more. She's like floating through outer space now. Eventually a demon sort of like rips open a portal and he's carrying a body through. Willow screams. Rack seems pleased with this. Finally, at like nearly 11, Dawn's about to barge into the back room, but Willow comes out. Dawn's pissed. They've missed the movie. She can tell something's weird about Willow. Willow's like, no, I'm fine. Let's go to the movie. She's still super high, and she's leading Dawn down like a pretty dangerous alley. Dawn's starting to feel unsafe and wants to go home. Willow's like, chill, you baby. I thought we were hanging out tonight. And then bam, demon from Willow's outer space dream is there claiming that she summoned him and raised hell with her magic. She's like, I did what now? Willow seems to think this is still part of a hallucination. Yeah, she tells Dawn he's not real. But then he scratches Dawn's face. Dawn kicks him. They run away. He's going to catch him. So Willow magically hijacks a car and then uses magic to drive it. Seems kind of cool, right? It's like, oh, she got away using magic. That's fun. But like, she is, should not be driving. No, she's, she's pretty messed up from magic. Have we even seen Willow drive without magic? Like, can she drive? This is just regular driving. Willow. <laughs> I know Buffy's a bad driver, but I don't know if we've seen Willow drive. There's not a lot of driving in this show. Where's Giles' car? It's in England. Did he take it? Yeah, it was next to him in the plane. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going super fast. Willow isn't paying attention. Of course they crash. Dawn gets out of the car, clutching her arm. Willow's passed out on the steering wheel. But before Dawn can help Willow, the demon has caught up to them. Put a pin in that. Meanwhile, Buffy has gone to visit Spike. She needs help finding Dawn and this guy named Rack. Spike's like, yeah, I know who he is. He deals in dangerous black magic. So she convinces him to help because he can feel out this force field and she can't. Buffy had gotten this information from Amy when she found Amy rummaging around in Willow's room. Yeah, she probably was like, tell you what, I'll let you do one card trick if you can tell me where Willow is. <laughs> so they're out looking for Dawn. They take a little pause to work out their problems. Buffy lets him know that she's disgusted with herself. Last night was the most perverse, degrading experience of her life. I think that they're getting the timeline a little mixed up at this point, though, because that was now two nights ago. Mm -hmm. Spike also made a joke when she came to wake him up that he'd had a long night, like, wink, wink, you were there. But this has definitely been two nights, because Willow had the crazy night with Amy yep. at the bronze, the same night that Buffy and Spike had sex. Yep. They both go home, go to sleep during the day. Willow wakes up at night and goes out, then wakes up 
on her floor after being at Rax. So that is now last night. I don't know what Buffy did that night. We don't see. Buffy goes to the magic shop at some point on the first day after the first night. I mean, you could argue that Willow just doesn't sleep very long, and then she goes back to Rax, and now it's not, she wakes up like at night. No, because she she comes home when it's light, okay. goes out in the darkness, and then it's light again. Okay, and now it's dark. Spike's like, whatever. You felt something last night. Maybe not love, but I'm in your system now. You're gonna start craving me. And he tells her stop being such a bitch. She's like, I want you out of my life, of my home, of my work. He's like, yeah, well, too late. You invited me in. Technically, she could uninvite him from her home. but Yeah, I wouldn't have reminded her about that. <laughs> I think he's being metaphorical also. Right. And as for her work, they're also pretty intertwined. Now, for example, she needs him to help find Dawn. So they keep looking for Rack's place. But eventually, they hear Dawn screaming. Dawn's now tussling with the demon. He throws her pretty far. It's not looking good. But Buffy shows up just in time, fights the demon. She does this really cool, like, flying kick they must have used a harness for. Yeah. She's having a bit of a tough time with him, but eventually he starts, like, hyperventilating and sort of burns up from within and then just disintegrates. We pan over to reveal that it was Willow who stopped him using magic. Buffy goes to tend to Dawn. Willow also wants to make sure she's okay. Buffy's like, back off, Willow. Very much like when Jenny Calendar just wanted to help after her mistakes. And Giles was like, no. That, that's very interesting that you mentioned that. Put a pin in that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is the pin going to come out today? Yeah, the pin is coming out, baby. Willow tries apologizing to Dawn, but Dawn is not in the mood for Willow right now. It slaps her. You can tell Buffy approves. Like, not going to fault you for that, Dawn. Yeah, Buffy's like, I'm glad you did it, because if I had done it, I would have killed Willow with my slap. Yeah. So Buffy and Spike start to leave to take Dawn to the hospital. Willow just, like, collapses on the ground behind them, desperately crying and apologizing. Buffy has a heart, so she sends Spike off with Dawn and stays behind to talk to Willow, even though she's very upset. She tells her to get up. She really screwed up. She could have killed Dawn. Willow says she's tried to stop, but she can't. She needs help. She, like, falls into Buffy's arms. Buffy's clearly pissed, but she does hold her while she cries. Later, Willow's at home, sitting on her bed, thinking about everything, feeling really bad. Buffy comes in. She lets her know that Dawn has a fracture, but she will be all right. But she's like, what were you thinking? Going to see that guy, especially dragging Dawn into it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Either tell Dawn, no, I'm not hanging out with you, and just, like, go out and do it alone. Or... Just go to the movie with Dawn and then go. Like, is it, I don't know. Like you said, magic is maybe different. Maybe it is addictive. But I feel like if it was heroin, Willow should know not to take Dawn there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I feel like when someone's super addicted, they're not really thinking clearly. Yeah. But would you be that fucked up after one time? Of what? Heroin? I mean, it doesn't map perfectly on a heroin because magic isn't really a drug. It's a new thing. So or I'm even I just, agree. just thinking like if Amy had been going there in high school, she would have never gone to high school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She would have been at high school like one time black eyed and like just absolutely. You're right. But again, I think that Rack is maybe giving Willow extra oomph, yeah. extra magic push because she's got some ability. He did seem especially into her, yeah. Yeah, so like maybe she's doing spells that are a higher class of spell because she is more magically gifted. So Rack can do more with her. And so she is getting like higher than Amy even would have been able to do on her own. Well, Willow confesses to Buffy that magic's been slowly getting out of control. That's why Tara left. She says, if you could be plain old Willow or super Willow, which would you be? Buffy's like, well, you don't need magic to be special. Tara loves you for you. It wasn't the magic. 
Buffy, again, is definitely relating to Willow in the fact that she's using magic as a vice because Buffy's doing the same as Spike. Yeah. And in a lot of the scene, you can tell she's, again, talking to herself or the things that Willow is saying yeah. about her problems are resonating with Buffy. So she tells Willow she gets what she's going through, but doesn't tell her about Spike at this juncture. And even though she gets it, that doesn't make it right because she's hurting people. Right. Willow's like, I know, and I promise it won't happen again. I'm done. But he's like, great. I think it's right to give it up. No matter how good it feels. Should I give up Spike, she thinks? <laughs> Was this the novelization of the <laughs> Yeah. Willow's like, yep, it's, it's over. Buffy's like, yeah, my thing's also over. This scene's pretty well done because Buffy's being a good friend, clearly still upset at Willow as she should be, but also doing a good job of showing us she's thinking about her own shit. And generally that's not through words. It's just like all on her face. Right. And then it ends with Willow lying awake, going through withdrawal. I, I guess that's part of it. Yeah, I don't know. And Buffy is also sitting in her bed in the darkness, surrounded by garlic, holding a cross. Is she trying to like keep Spike away? I think so. I mean, as far as we know, he doesn't just like come in her bedroom for sex. He has kind of broken into her bedroom in the middle of the night, but that was when he had to like tell her about Riley. But now that they have this relationship, it wouldn't be crazy to me that he would. Okay. I wasn't sure if, if she was actually trying to keep Spike away or if she was like telling herself she was trying to keep Spike away. Mm, that's a good question. Like, I've got all the garlic in the cross. I'm done too. This is me saying no to that. I think what you just said is 100% true. She's telling herself that. And like, if that keeps Spike away too, cool. But like, right. it's like kind of going through the motions. Going through the motions. Of like quitting. Okay. Brian. Do you think this is a good episode? It's a very interesting episode. There's a lot going on. I have some issues with it, but there's so much we have to unpack. There's just, there's so much we have to unpack still. What is this? What is happening to Willow? Yeah, well, let's take a, let's start with Rack. We're never totally informed as to what Rack is. It's suggested he's a, like a dark, powerful warlock of some sort, but it's not clear what he gets from doing these spells because he doesn't look like he's high. He does look like he's enjoying himself, but... It's not clear what he's getting from like letting other people get high because they're not they didn't pay him anything. Maybe he's taking their soul or something, but we never know. But there's so many interesting things like the show doesn't say this, which I think is a lot a, a huge missed opportunity. But like the spell that Willow is doing seems to be one of summoning this demon, whether she knew it or not. Right. Right. And she gets high from this. And that is exactly what Giles in the Dark Age did. We find out, as Ripper, he did this, where they summon demons to intentionally get possessed for some sort of, like, orgasmic high. Is this the pin? This is the pin, unpinning. Giles goes to Ms. Calendar after she gets possessed because of his magic misuse and she's all like i don't want any part of you don't touch me it's the same kind of idea here oh i was thinking of the time when jenny wanted to help after they found out she betrayed them and mm. she mm. wanted to help and he's like no so it's it's so interesting to me that like they're kind of reusing that idea like this is a thing that we know in this universe can happen and now willow's doing it but i, I honestly would say it's kind of cool that the show is like hey that's happening we're not going to come out and label it that because, you know, some of these people don't even really know what's happening. But people who have been watching the show should be able to put together that that's what's going on. It's a similar thing that we had happen with Giles. So I kind of like that. If Giles was there, he would tell her to stop. I know. It's like Giles, girl. <laughs> girl. Girl Giles. 
It's like, Giles, if you had stayed, you could have solved some problems, dude. Like, one more episode would have been real helpful, dude. Super helpful. But also, the mapping on to drug use is just like, I know people are going to be mad for me saying this, and I'm sorry, but it's just super heavy-handed. It's just like, oh, they were dabbling with weed, and then they went to heroin, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like It's like they had one night out of getting crazy, and then the next night they're like, ooh, what if we did some real scary shit? Like, I, I don't know. It's all very condensed, too. Like, Willow yeah. taking Dawn there is very extreme. And, like, driving, like, all the bad things that happen in, like, a drug movie happen yeah. in, like, the back half of this episode. Yeah, very quickly. That being said, like, there are some really cool things about it. Some of the ways they map on are really nice and interesting and clever. It just seemed very rushed to me. And I know I say that a lot about stuff and people are going to get mad, but that's just, I feel, I just feel like it's too rushed. I would like to have seen her go to Rax for a whole episode. You know, we saw Riley sitting, getting his blood drunk for like two episodes before we really addressed it. And I get that Willow's in a bad place, so she is sort of like looking for a way out. Yeah. And she kind of says at some point, I think that's why she did it. But I don't know. To endanger Dawn. Yeah. And to not ask any questions about what she might be sacrificing. Because she's like trying to get back with Tara too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like she doesn't know dude's not killing Tara when he reached inside of her. Or her memories of Tara or something like that. Right. Or at least like ask Amy. I feel like I've been so harsh on it, but it is interesting to see Willow have this downfall because I feel like it's the one character that they haven't given too many like faults to throughout the show. She's generally been, like, the good character, and they address that in this. Doesn't take too many risks. Is usually not wrong or is on the good side of an argument or the right side of an argument. Yeah. So it's kind of nice that the show's like, yeah, she's a human being. She's making mistakes. And I will say she acted this episode well, specifically the part after Buffy and Spike show up. Yeah, yeah, And she's freaking out. Totally. She does high emotion very well. Yeah. Anyway, I did my complaints, but I think the episode's pretty good. What, What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I... I thought it was really heavy-handed and very extreme. It it felt like a whole new show. Yeah. But it was well done, the, the things they chose to do, like yeah. the way they did, like the drug trip and, like I said, Willow's acting. For them committing to the extreme that they did, I thought they did it well, but I was like, oh, okay, this is train spotting. This is Breaking Bad. This is... Yeah. I don't know, it wasn't like fun. I will say I was a little disappointed that they didn't acknowledge the fact that Spike can now hurt Buffy. Like what that implication, what that also implies yes. beyond the fact that he can do that? What, why that is. Because mm-hmm. that was a huge thing they set up in the previous episode and they just like yeah. didn't even discuss that in this one. I'm sure they will. But you think that would come up in the many conversations Spike and Buffy had in this episode? Right. Anyway. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries, Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 6, Episode 10, Chris Crossed, this episode centers around Chris, the mysterious new white lighter. It shows why he has come back from the future and reveals crucial details that Chris has not told the Charmed ones. Okay, this one has a different tone of prose. Yeah. Also... I know no one cares, but you can't center around something. It just doesn't make sense to say that. You can center on something, but to center around something, by definition, means you're not the center. This has been Grammar. (laughs) Okay, so this episode, we're finally going to figure out what's going on with Chris, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he came back to help him that one time, but he seems pretty bird-focused. Like, he wants to spend a lot of time with them for some reason. 
Yeah, and I think I know what it is. I think he eats birds, and he ate all the birds. So in the future, he's killed all the birds. He ate them all. <gasps> and so now he's coming back to eat all of our birds. And all these times they're like, oh, I'm bird watching. And like later they're like, oh, did you see any birds? I don't see any birds. And like he like coughs up some feathers like, nope, didn't see any. And it's like, no, Chris, you've been eating them birds. Wow. Mm -hmm. So he was just lying about wanting to spend time with them. Yeah, well, he wanted to spend time, but not a lot of time. He wants them in his tummy. Well, I meant with the girls. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) To be honest, he wasn't hiding it well. No. He was always with the birds. Yeah, and the, it's weird that the women didn't, like, pick up on the fact that he was eating the birds. They had sent those two birds back with him to, like, repopulate the future bird population. Nah, he ate them immediately. I know. They keep asking how those birds are. He's like, they're good. Yeah. I mean, they were good. I mean, they are good. They're thriving. I passed them fine. You say I passed? passed. them fine? <laughs> what? I, <laughs> I passed them uh, when I went to the future. I saw them. <laughs> There are a couple of stool pigeons now. (laughs) So stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Said Chris. (laughs) And the girl said, Chris, pull up a stool. The sitting kind. And he does. And they have a little intervention with him being like, you got to stop eating all the birds. Birds are important for the following reasons. One, erosion. The girls are confused. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're really spitballing here. Two, pollination. I don't know what birds are good for. Do we need birds? Is this the girl? (laughs) Do we need birds? Yeah, this is Paige. Chris insists, like, yeah, it's actually bad that I ate all the birds. Future's not great because, you know, without birds, there's just so many worms in the future. It's crazy. It's like a worm apocalypse. Like, there's no ground anymore. It's just worms. So we've got to figure out something. I can't stop eating. They thought he just loved birds, but it turns out he loves birds. Yeah. He's like, I can't help myself. And it's it's very much like Willow. He's like, I I can't stop. I just need help. Maybe this falcon can help me. Gulp. Falcon's gone. He has a huge jaw. He can like open his mouth and eat a falcon in one bite. Yeah. So they're just like, we'll get you off of birds. And he's like, all right, I won't have another bird. And they like talk to him and some birds fly by and he doesn't eat them. And they're like, we're fine. And then he's just lying in bed. And you can see him sort of like shivering in bed like Willow. But it's it's also, if you look closely, he's actually kind of doing the chicken dance. Right. And that's how it ends. So it's like, oh, I don't know if it's over yet. Yeah, they agree they're going to keep him here. He's not allowed to go back to the future until they consider him helped. Yeah. It's a dark one. Yeah, and it's also it's a curse was put on him that made him want to eat birds all the time. Just in case anyone wanted to know why any of this shit was happening. <laughs> yes. It's a curse from a dark lighter. Right. There's an evil dark lighter in the future yeah well this has been meanwhile uncharted then we watched gilmore girls brian please tell us about he's slipping them bread dig this episode is all about the gilmore girls reunion it's all about them being together all episode and having fun and doing gilmore girl things and no problems whatsoever i mean there's some problems there's no problems Rory is back, and she is digging all the new improvements Luke made to their house, especially the double sink in the bathroom, which honestly is like a fantasy for us. God, that would be nice. I know. Two sinks? Two sinks would be mm, like eating birds. There's just... (laughs) If you don't get that. You skipped charm. (laughs) If you don't get that, you know what it's like to be in a long-term relationship, okay? People like to eat birds together. (laughs) Lorelai is teaching Rory about all the intricacies of Paul Inca's idiosyncrasies. 
he's been hiding until this moment. And Rory's like, I don't even believe he exists, kiddingly. But, like, does he exist? I have a theory that he might not be real. I love that theory. We're going to run with it. Because everyone always plays along with Lorelai's bits. And, like, I could see her having a bit about having a dog since she has killed every animal she's ever fostered or had contact with. And it also seemed to miss Rory, which is a person it's never met. So I stand by the fact that this might not be a real thing. But she sees Paul Inca and Lorelai tricks Rory into putting some sugar on her toes so that he licks it off and like likes her more because that's a great first impression because he loves sugar. This seems pretty funny, specifically because Rory's so reluctantly doing this. But also because Rory just like pours the sugar from like waist height on her toe, just all over the floor. And it's like, you didn't have to do it that way. Lorelai, by the way, grabs some notes she wrote from the closet. These are ideas she's had while Rory and her were separated that she wanted to share with Rory. She wrote them all down. But while she's in the closet, we hear her like bump into the Bop It toy, which is a nice callback to the Dean fight episode with Luke. I liked that. Yeah. I have so much to say about this scene. It's a very long opening, actually. Yeah. Number one, I love when he's on the table. She's like, shoo, shoo. She's like trying to get him off the table. And Lorelai's like, what are you going to do next? Tell him he can't drink out of my water glass? Yeah. Gross. Number two, at least in my Pippi, the American Pippi, there's a scene where Pippi likes to put sugar between her toes. I have not seen all of the weird old Swedish film that they have watched. So if you have seen that, let me know if that sugar toes scene exists. Three, why isn't Rory wearing socks with those shoes? Yeah, it's weird, man. She's wearing, like, chucks almost. Like, you wear socks with the shoes she's wearing for sure. Yeah. And this is, like, all a prank, but then the dog does lick her toes. Like, Lorelai's just tricking her (laughs) into doing this, but then the dog does do it. Yeah. And then one of the things Lorelai wrote down was that she's trying to figure out how Lenny Kravitz got so rich or something. And they say maybe he stole from Nicole Kidman's wallet. Nicole Kidman was referenced in The Last Buffy. That's all. They referenced Tom and Nicole. Oh. She also wants help downloading music. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's just such a simple thing now. But yeah, at the time. But even like, I don't know, I feel like Rory is our age. So that would have been something she would have known how to do. And Lorelai's like Gen X. And it right. would have been a very new thing to her. Totally. On their way to Luke's, they spot Kirk doing some like chai t- Doing some chai tea. <laughs> I keep saying chai tea. He's drinking some chai tea. On their way to Luke's, they spot Kirk doing some chai chi. <laughs> On the way to Luke's, they see Kirk doing some Tai Chi. (laughs) By the way, Kirk has been mentioned several times in the last few episodes. Like he had a dog obedience school that they sent Paul Inca to. There was like one or two other things they mentioned that Kirk was like running or doing. But he's really been sort of absent from episodes. Like usually he's got like a subplot story that's funny, but he he hasn't had one in a while. I miss Kirk, which is weird because I didn't like Kirk the first time I met him. But I miss him now. Yeah, I don't remember how long you didn't like Kirk. Maybe the first season. Yeah, I mean, he's. you have to understand his deal. He's a lot. When they get to Luke's, uh, they have a reunion with Luke. They're like, hey, it's Rory. Lorelai does a drum roll, and Luke's like, what is that? Is that, you doing a helicopter sound? She's not good at drum rolls. But then Rory goes in and gives him the weirdest, most awkward hug I think I have ever seen. Go watch it. It's so weird and awkward. Like, did the actress hate Scott? Like, does he smell bad? They don't act like the hug was weird, but it, it was weird. She's pretty bad at hugs in general, but that was particularly weird. She hugs him like the same way you, you might be forced to hug like an uncle you think's got the hots for you. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'll hug Uncle Jed. <laughs> the hots. Yeah, it was weird. 
Someone should compile all of her hugs into a video. That person's probably me, but who has the time? <laughs> if someone out there can point out every episode that one happens, then I'll do it. I just don't know where they are. Yeah, find those weird hugs, people. Rory innocently asks Luke, what's new in his life? And he's like, nothing. What, what have you heard? I don't have a daughter. <laughs> Shut up. The wedding's off. And like, he's just like very like defensive because he's clearly sweating it that maybe she heard about his like secret new daughter. Yeah, he doesn't say all that, but he does say, no. what have you heard? Yeah, yeah. Lane strolls over. She's happy the girls are back together. And she mentions that her band is having a showcase coming up. And she's excited because a record label might show up. And then if that happens, they might get a deal. Lane is a little afraid she might have jinxed it by saying all that. So she and Rory do this like anti-jinxing pinky handshake ritual that they've had for years, I guess. It's pretty funny because Lorelai then has like some serious FOMO and like wants to do the jinx handshake. And they keep being like, you can't. And she's like, okay. And then she keeps trying to invent reasons why she needs to unjinx stuff. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Very much in the character of Lorelai. Like, I want that relationship with my daughter. We also find out that, like, almost all of Hep Alien's song titles are just women's names. This is apparently intentional on Zach's part because he thinks that songs with women's names as the title have a better chance of getting played on the radio for some reason. That might be true. I don't know. I don't know. Rory mentions that she doesn't need a second ticket for Logan. And then she explains to her mom that she and Logan are just not talking right now because they had that big public fight, remember, right after he was a douche to Jess? But she seems to think that a little break, a hiatus as she calls it, is just what they need. But I'm getting like some big Ross and Rachel from Friends just a break kind of vibes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're on a break. And I'm like, does that, okay, Art, but like, does that mean he can sleep with someone else kind of break? You got those vibes in this scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, have they not spoken? Like, have they literally not spoken since then? Yeah, well, she says we're not speaking right now. We're on a little break, a hiatus. That's like, okay, but like if, you, if you're if you not speaking, that might mean you're broken up. Like you you need to check in. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how long you can go not speaking to someone and just still assume you're in a relationship with them. Yeah, I feel that is a good question. I, I feel like I would need a verbal confirmation that we are broken up. I feel like you could go like two days, maybe not talking, maybe. I guess if you just stopped talking to me for two days, I would definitely need verbal confirmation. They've only been together some months, so. Yeah. I feel like my I would say to my mom, like, yeah, I don't know. We might be broken up. It's not clear. We're not speaking. She needs to call him and figure out what it is. I mean, it sounds like she doesn't want to. Yeah. Or less like, it's okay. You know, sometimes breaks are good. Then Luke brings them the first wave of food. Like, he's got other waves coming. And it's like crazy amount of food. It's like six plates. I can only imagine women watching this show must all have body issues because the two main characters constantly eat smorgasbords of food and like are thin as sticks. I don't I, I know people like comment on this all the time, but it, it doesn't really bother me because I they never actually eat it. That also bothers people. <laughs> they never actually show them eating very much. Well, th- th- there's more food. So not, everyone is happy that Rory's back. At the inn, Lorelai surprises Suki with Rory's arrival. This is also very funny because she, like, freaks out and knocks over another chef. And his fall is pretty well choreographed. He, like, drops the mushrooms and the mushroom pan, like, hits the table and the mushrooms go everywhere. I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. We watched it so many times. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice visual joke. Michelle can't help but let out a happy smile and say, Rory, before pretending he doesn't care that much. That was really funny. And then he doesn't have too many emotions. Yeah, he's all like, it's kind of okay that you're back. <laughs> <laughs> like that. 
Suki then makes them another crazy multi-course meal. I assume they left Luke's and then went straight to the inn where Suki then made a million plates of food for them. Yeah, because Rory has a line. Suki says she's going to make him lunch. Rory starts to say, but we just... Yeah, but then cut to them at a table with like 12 dishes full of food. I mean, it's just like this weird thing with food too because like at the Gilmore's house at Emily's place, they also always have like a table full of food for two people. Show's got a food budget. Yeah, I wonder if like Amy's like, listen, I'm going to write a lot of food in the script so then we can just feed the staff with that. They'll love it. I could find out if that's true, but I kind of think it's not because the food gets gross after a while. I don't know what that means. The food gets gross after a while? It sits out on set and nobody wants to eat it depending on what it is. Yeah, I guess that's true. Lorelai mentions that Christopher called and then she got into a fight with Luke about it and points out that like, see, couples fight. It's not just young couples. And Lorelai says that Christopher has some good news for both of them and she's going to find out what it is. And we find out that Christopher's grandfather died and left him a ton of money, like a lot, a lot of money. And now Christopher's straight up rich. And he wants to share some of that wealth with Rory and Lorelai. I love the end of this scene because like the whole beginning of the episode, Lorelai's going through all these notes that she wrote for Rory while they were apart. There's like a couple she can't figure out. It's like Razzle Frat and Bandelschnitt. Yeah. And at the end of the scene, they're both just kind of like, well, I guess we'll have to see what's going on with dad. Like sort of like, who knows what'll happen? And then one of them says Razzle Frat and the other says Bandelschnitt. Like they've, yeah. they've given them meaning, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. I think you guessed that his dad had given a lot of money. Because I asked you before we watched this what you thought the cryptic phone call was. I couldn't figure out what else it would be. Because they said it was good news for both of them here. So So you were close. Paris calls Rory. And Rory lets her know that she's returning to Yale. And she also wants to return to the paper. And she's hoping that Paris can help her find a place to live. Paris says she'll see what she can do. It's going to be hard this time of year to find a place. We also see that Paris has turned the newspaper into like a quiet zone. She's like dampened the keyboard so they don't make noise and like told everyone they have to be quiet. And she's not giving them time off. And Rory's like, it's like Thanksgiving. You're not giving them time off. She's like, I've unfolded a paper turkey. They're fine. And I suspect that this is going to be bad news. I think it's supposed to be funny that Paris is running this like a dictatorship. But I'm predicting Paris is going to get into trouble doing this. Like the paper's going to shut down or they're going to rebel. Because, like, this is crazy. Like, they can't talk. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's going to be some funny joke. But it, to me, it feels like this is like a, a seed for something. Prediction logged. Also, it's funny because Rory says she's coming back to Yale and she starts with a drum roll. And Paris is like, what was that sound? Yeah, yeah. Like, mother, like daughter, neither can do drum rolls. Lorelai then comes to Rory and says, hey, Christopher wants to give you some money. And he says he'll pay for stuff like a castle or a cannon or Yale. And then Rory's like, actually, you know what? I would like him to pay for Yale, I think. And she wants that because she doesn't like her grandparents holding their Yale payments over her head. Because there's too many strings with those people, she says. So Lorelai's like, WTF, are we switching places? Is this a Freaky Friday? Because I'm the one who hates my parents. She's like, I don't, I don't want to have to go to Yale. You're going to have to run the inn. This is going to be crazy. I like Rory hating Emily, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she hates Emily, but I like Rory, like, seeing eye to eye with her mother on this. Because she would make excuses for Emily all the time. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's all hate Emily. Come on. Let's, it's a big club. We all, we all hate Emily so much, and it's so fun to hate her. She keeps trying to tell Lorelai she doesn't know what it's like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Lorelai's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, she's like, they brought a priest in. And she's like, yeah, I was there. They had a priest, a rabbi, like another priest. She's like, you don't know what it's like to be living there. I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course she does. I know. It was weird that she said like a really dumb thing to say. 
Lane, meanwhile, is kind of annoyed at Zach because his newest in-progress song, which admittedly people seem to think is good, uh, is called Stella, and he doesn't seem to want to name any of his songs after her. Zach says it's just because Lane is a bad name for a song, and that's not Lane's fault. That's Lane's mom's fault. And nothing rhymes with Lane except cliche stuff. It's weird. Zach is like super condescending in this scene because he says to Lane, like, yeah, there are stuff you could rhyme, but it's cliche. Don't worry about it. You wouldn't get it. You're not a writer. I just like hate Zach. That line was just so condescending. And you could tell he's like feels like he's being fair and like understanding. Like, you just don't get it. It's not your fault that you don't get it. And it just makes me hate him so fucking much, man. Like, I hate him. Yeah. And then Brian says that, well, I think there are some non-cliche words that rhyme with Lane. I can think of some. And Zach's like, whatever. The next day, they go to a music store where Zach wants to get a headset. And Brian plays a new song he's been working on on the piano. A song that everyone's like, hey, that's pretty good. Until they find out that it's a song he's titling Lane. Then Zach's a little bitch again. And he's all sulky and upset and doesn't want to talk to anybody about stuff because clearly Brian writing the song about Lane is cuckolding him. I don't even understand why he's upset. I don't know. Because Brian's going to steal Lane? I, I don't know. I, very publicly. Yeah. Also, Zach's compliment to Brian. It's, it's, Zach is like just such an asshole. He can't say like, hey, I'm digging that song. Or like, oh, that's some, I like that. He's like, that doesn't suck so bad. Like, it's like his, he says something like, that's not so bad. Yeah. Like, even his compliments are, like, not. They're, like, backhanded. And this, like, sulking only gets worse. Later at Soundcheck for their big gig, Gil and Brian are swapping their favorite memories at the club they're playing at. (laughs) Gil says that he threw up there one time, and then some dude slipped on the vomit and then had to go to the hospital. And then Gil went home and shacked up with that guy's girlfriend for a couple of days. A week and a half. Yeah, a week and a half. I love Gil. He's so funny. Yeah. When Zach's playing Stella for the first time, Gil's like, it's like a combination of this band and this band. He says like eight bands. And Zach's yeah. like, yeah, that's what that's I was what going, going for. for. Yeah, yeah. I love him. He's, he's super funny. So then Zach rolls in super late and it's like a big asshole. He's brought a new guy with him. Super weirdo guy. He's there to play tambourine. And he says stuff like dig, which is where the title of the episode comes from, I guess. At least the dig part. Yeah. Slipping on bread is probably Chris's money. Yeah, I'm guessing that. Or something they give to... Yeah, yeah, it's probably right. Zach's bought that headset, and he's, like, super excited about it. He's like, I can crowd surf with it. They love it. And then new guys are like, they love crowd surfing, dig. What, fuck, just shut up, man. I hate you, too, already. <laughs> Zach never really says why he wants this guy. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just showing that he's trying to be controlling. with. It, but it, I don't know why, they, why anyone would want this guy on stage. Gil's like, yeah, the only reason they have a tambourine is because you have a hot girl doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Gil's like, you're not a a hot girl. (laughs) So Lane calls Zach out for, like, adding a band member, and he's all like, well, it is my band, which it fucking is not. How could anyone say that? She's like, no, we're a democracy. And then he tells her to not be concerned about it, and again condescends hard to her and tells her not to be such a mega bummer before the show. It isn't cool. It's like, dude, I hope you die in this episode. I know you don't. Maybe you die in the next one, but I hate you. Lane. Oh, my God. Lane. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm mad about this before I can say it. Lane then apologizes mm-hmm. to Zach mm-hmm. for calling him out 
for being a horrible person. You know, it's like she's calling Zach out for his mega toxic behavior and he gets her to apologize. And I'm like, oh my God, you can do so much better than him, Lane. Please leave him. Please leave him right now. I wish Gil were free. Then you could marry Gil. Hmm. Or maybe Brian. He's trying to get in there. Gil appreciates his wife. He's made that very clear multiple <laughs> times. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how the band formed. I can't remember if Lane was seeking a band or I think she was because she was like holding auditions or like. Yeah. I think she posted a flyer. So if anything, it's Lane's band. But like even if it was, even if he started it, like it's not his band. Like right. you're all band. Unless like, you know, there's one guy who's like, I'm the vocals and I'm amazing and literally anybody else could be behind me. It doesn't matter. You know, like Michael Jackson could have anyone behind him. It doesn't matter. But like. It does seem like he writes all the songs. Uh, he writes most of them. I want to say that Brian has written some, yeah. but yes, I do think he writes most of the songs. When the show finally starts, Lane sees that the label guys did show up. So she's super excited, but also nervous. Rory's there. She's ready to film it. They have every opportunity to impress these guys. It's minutes before the show, and Zach is being so, so, so much right now. He's upset that his fancy headset isn't working correctly. He's like blaming everyone else. Like, what'd you do to my headset? The sound guy's messing it up. And, you know, the band is like, hey, man, like, just ditch the headset. Like, we're about to go on. And Zach's like, whatever, we'll go on when we're ready. They'll wait for us. And then he says they aren't going to be doing the set list. He's like, throw out the set list. I'll be calling out music. You guys just go with whatever. Like, try to keep up. And they're like, yeah, but we like practice transitions and stuff. He's like, so did Oreo Speedwagon. Do you want to be Oreo Speedwagon? I don't know anything about music, but that's a successful band. So (laughs) I don't know. So he's like, just follow my lead. The curtain opens. The DJ introduces them. And then Zach just starts, like, yelling at the sound guy about his mic. I was going to pump it up. And starts, like, insulting him. He goes full diva and tells Brian the stage is his stage. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, like, the tambourine guy's, like, getting in Gil's space. And then Gil's, like, move over. And then Brian's, like, don't move over because be in front of Lane. And then we see that Zach's really mostly upset about this Lane-Brian situation. He's, like, oh, you're really thinking about Lane, are you? That'd upset you. And it's, like, dude, this is all because of this Brian wrote one fucking song about your girlfriend? The audience is getting restless and impatient, and then Zach just yells at the audience that they need to just hang on. It'll be worth the wait for the band that's about to get the biggest record deal in history. The crowd then just starts, like, booing him and saying that they suck. Zach is upset with, like, where Brian is standing, and so he starts, like, kicking Brian, and Gil's like, don't kick him, and he does it again. So Gil finally just loses his calm and just, like, tackles Zach. Thank you, Gil. I love you. You're the best (laughs) character in Lane's storylines other than Lane. It's like the Dawn slap. Yeah. Just tackles him. They wrestle for a while. The crowd boos and the curtains close. Two things about this. One, the wrestling on the ground seems like sort of even. You know, they sort of wrestle. No one's really winning or losing. But honestly, Gil would have like mopped the floor with him. Gil's way bigger and Zach's a little pathetic beta bitch. I'm sorry. He would have gotten creamed by Gil. But the best part of this scene is the new tambourine guy is like sort of off to the side in front of the curtain, kind of not knowing what to do. And he's sort of like awkwardly sort of gyrating there. He kind (laughs) of looks like he's doing a very lazy monster mash or something with his mouth like a little open. It's very funny to watch that guy. (laughs) It almost felt like the actor was confused about where he should be. Yeah. He's like, I'm okay. I'm right here. And they were like, we're keeping that in. It's great. Yeah, the scene is wild. Like Buffy, it's, like, too much. like Way too much. This feels like, you know, in a movie about a musician's downfall, this is a scene, but, like, 
this is like the worst part of their journey. Yeah, and they're like high on heroin. Yes, and like, they're drunk. Yeah. There's been a history of them hating their band and yeah. it all culminates in like a big embarrassing thing. But this had like very little impetus. Yeah, it was so much. It was insane. It was insane. I like hated it because I one I don't believe that anyone would really do this. Even though I hate Zach, like, and I think he's a shitty character. Like, this doesn't even seem like something Zach would do. Yeah, the part where he was like telling the audience to chill because they're like this great band that they're about to see. It's like, well, be a little humble. You guys have played a couple churches. Yeah, but also like the records there, I could see him being like, I want to do like call out and stuff while we go. But like, if the band's like, I don't want to do that, you'd think he'd be like, all right, well, I don't want to fucking ruin this chance. Right. Afterwards, Lane confronts Zach in an alley. Just like Buffy confronts Willow in an alley. Yeah, totally. And she goes on like, you let me down. You let the band down. Like, you ruined this for us. And he's all like, it is what it is. Maybe this is why people in bands shouldn't date. Starting to cry, Lane agrees with him and leaves. Fuck him, man. Like, this is all because Brian, the nicest guy on the planet, wrote a song for your girlfriend because you wouldn't? You haven't even heard the lyrics. It might just be like... Lane's a bitch. <laughs> I don't like Lane. <laughs> I would never fuck Lane because I respect her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane. It's also insane because like Zach, we've seen where he's like with two women and neither of them want to be with Brian. So why he's so insecure is beyond me. Also why women want Zach is beyond me. But the show has let us know that he's desirable and Brian's not. So I don't know why he's threatened. Yeah, if he had like walked in on Brian writing the song with Lane... Or he, yeah. like, found a notebook where Brian was, like, jotting down thoughts about Lane. Or Lane was even, like, very complimentary or appreciative of Brian writing the song. Well, she was a little bit, but, like, there needed to be, like, a little bit more to be that jealous. Totally. Like, I think that you had a great example. Like, if he, if Brian had written a song and it was great and, like, it moved Lane to tears or something and she was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, thank you. Then I could see Zach being, like, upset. Yeah, like something Zach couldn't do for Lane. Like yeah. he, he can't write her a song that moves her to tears, but Brian can. Exactly. But So this is it's so crazy how insane he goes. I will say Lane was good in this alley scene. I thought her acting was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. She seemed like she was genuinely experiencing the emotion, like yeah. holding back the tears. Just like Willow was great in that alley scene. Yeah. Not holding back any tears. So Rory and Lorelai meet up with Chris and Rory mentions that she would like to take him up on his offer to pay for Yale. He is thrilled. He is so excited to do this, to be a real dad for once. There is a weird moment. This this is nitpicky. Who cares, right? But it really bothered me. There's a weird moment where Rory has to take a phone call and Chris jokes that she should try to steal a pie on her way out. This is weird for two reasons. I would say three reasons. One reason being like, is she just done now? Is this your whole... I assume she was going to stay for, like, coffee or you would eat together. Two, uh, why is she stealing something when you just mentioned <laughs> that, like, you are rich beyond belief and, like, could pay for anything? And three, stealing is something is, like, how she just temporarily, like, derailed her whole life. So it's just, <laughs> like, a weird dad joke to throw out right then. To your first point, I took it to mean he wanted her to, like, bring pie to the table because she was going to mm, walk past the okay, case where the pie okay. is. Okay, that makes sense. Second point, what was your second point? He's rich. Yeah, he's rich. Why would they steal it? <laughs> but, again, he, he might have meant, like, bring some back with you. That makes sense. Third point, I don't think he knows about the yacht because this whole episode he's, like, asking Lorelai, like, what, what's going on? Why did she that leave Yale? Like, that's it's the right. first he's finding out about that. You're right. He, so yeah. I don't think he knows anything about any of that. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. 
Also, Rory seems like very cautious about this deal with her dad. Like she's she knows mm-hmm. he's been irresponsible in the past. So she's taking it, but she knows there could be strings. Yeah. Also, he offers to pay Lorelai's like back taxes. And she's like, I don't have back taxes. He's like, oh, that's me. <laughs> Is he not going to pay those? <laughs> like he lists all the stuff he's bought for Gigi and he lists a couple things he bought for himself. But Well, maybe he paid his back taxes and he meant like, oh, you don't have the problem? I did. Oh, also in the scene when Lorelai meets Chris the first time when she learns about the money. Yeah. It's a tiny diner. He's sitting six feet from the door, but when she comes in, he like stands up and waves and calls her name like she won't see him if she opens her eyes at all. (laughs) Well, he heard about that time she was looking for Dean at Dozie's. Yeah, it reminded me of that. (laughs) She's got like face blindness when she walks into any establishment. Someone's going to point out where a man is or she will not see him. (laughs) She will not see him. She's got man blindness. This is a silly joke, but I thought it was funny. Christopher's like, hey, I want to talk about something a little touchy, if that's okay. Uh, Involves the E and the R words. And Lorelai says, please, let's not discuss evolution and recycling. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid, but funny. Obviously, he's talking about Emily and Richard. He's like, weren't they paying for Yale? But Lorelai is very happy to discuss how that is the case, and now they won't be. (laughs) And she's very excited about that. This is where he asked why, where we took time off. And she just, like, really is evasive about it. Yeah. But he also asked her how long she's been engaged. She's like, who told you? And he's like, Eastside Tilly. No, No, he actually sees her engagement ring. And he says that he hopes that paying for Yale won't make it weird for Luke. Because he legitimately wants her to be happy. That's what he wants for her. And I believe him, too. I mean, Christopher is sort of like this tragic figure in a way. Like, I don't think he is a bad guy. No. And I do think he wants good things for Lorelai. I think he wants her to be happy. They sort of play him like he's this deadbeat, but they never really, like, dive into what that means. He just doesn't seem to come around very often, and he was bad with money, but, like, what was he doing until season one started? Yeah, I mean, we do see him sort of be a bit of a deadbeat in season one, because he, like, doesn't have the money, and he leaves. And then when he gets his girlfriend pregnant, he has to leave Lorelai, but, like, that's another one of those, well, it's not really his fault kind of situations. Like, nobody's wrong. And in, like, season one, he seems low on funds, but he's not, yeah. like, doing drugs or, like, right. you know, just But he's making promises he can't keep. Right. Which is not good. Right, right, right. And the thing with Luke is, I mean, you have to fault him for that. Even though it was Emily's machinations that brought it to a head, it, he still went along with them. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of like a tragic figure almost. Like, and I think they sort of address him as much. Like, yeah, we don't hate our dad. Dad is trying, but dad's just a weak man. <laughs> I do like that once they get all this business out of the way and he makes sure everything's fine with Luke, they kind of just like slip into their banter. Yeah. Just a couple lines and that's how the scene ends. Yeah. They've always, you mentioned this because you shipped them, I think, right early on. They have great chemistry and they play off each other really well. Yeah. And I I like them as close friends, ex-lovers, close friends that just know each other so well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not everybody's got like a person like that. Right. And obviously it's hard to have a person like that when you're in a relationship. We should mention that this is a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. You can tell because at this cafe, there's just all kind of hand-traced turkeys all over the wall. But also, Liz, Luke's sister, is cooking a Thanksgiving dinner for her, like, Renaissance Fair friends. And she's using Luke's kitchen because her kitchen just doesn't have enough things in it, I guess. She says she's never made Thanksgiving dinner before. Actually, I've never made dinner before. (laughs) Yeah. Liz mentions that she's a student of Martha Stewart's. What? And she talks a few times in this episode about, like, what a genius Martha Stewart is. 
Weird, because she gets a big shout out in Buffy as well. Yeah. It seems too coincidental that both shows have this big shout out for Martha Stewart. I would argue it almost seems more shoehorned in in Buffy. Oh, for sure. I don't connect Martha Stewart with wedding stuff. Maybe. I don't know Martha Stewart. I feel like that's in the realm of stuff she would do. Yeah. I don't know. But obviously, Buffy was first, and Amy's throwing homage. I just, I don't have any doubt in my mind that there's some kind of thing that Amy's doing here, where she's maybe a joke for herself, inserting something for every episode. There's just too many. We will get to the bottom of this. This Martha Stewart thing is too many. Amy, I know you listen to our podcast. Please, um, let us be in your shows, but also... (laughs) Let us write for your next Untitled Ballerina Project. Yes. And in addition to that, introduce us to the cast of Gilmore Girls. But also explain this to us, please. Okay. Liz is such, such a mooch. She's always mooching off of Luke. Like, constantly. And honestly, it would be super annoying. Like, it would annoy me to watch her do that all the time. Except that Liz is just, like, such a positive person and so nice That, like, I actually enjoy all of her scenes where she's mooching off of Luke just because she's got such an awesome attitude with him. And specifically this. So, like, Luke is just, like, a guy who knows how to do stuff, right? Like, he's, like, kind of a jack of all trades. Except for convey or deal with his own emotions. Like, he's not good at those things. And it's so funny because, like, Liz is a Jill of no trades. Like, she is not able to do anything except (laughs) for deal with emotions. And I feel like that's sort of how they work together. Because she's like, yep, I'm going to mooch off of you because you know how to do all this stuff. And then I'm going to help you with your emotional baggage because you don't know how to deal with that. Sure. And I kind of love that relationship between them. Because it seems a little parasitic sometimes almost where like Liz is like stealing his cakes or pies or like using him for something. But like then when he needs an emotional support, she is there a thousand percent to help him with whatever. Like in this episode. Yeah, he's personally tapping all of his customers goodbye at the door. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? He's like saying goodbye to some person, ushering them out, and it's like, are you hugging this dude? Do you, you do this to everybody who leaves the restaurant? Yeah, he's just like right by the door, like tapping this guy on the shoulder. Also, did Luke stop doing Thanksgiving at his restaurant? In the other Thanksgiving episode, he seemed to have Thanksgiving every year. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like this show has any kind of consistency. Oh, by the way, Liz is making dinner for a renaissance people, like you said, but one is a guy with no thumbs, and the other is a guy with a kill them all tattoo on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, no problem. Like in the renaissance. She's also a terrible cook. She, like, burns her, like, ready-to-go croissants, and she also asks if turkeys are born with that little red thermometer thing, and I think she's dead serious about it. Also, her cranberries aren't red. (laughs) Yeah. Luke asks her if she's got a minute and she can tell that he's going to lay something heavy on her. So she's like, of course, because she's awesome when it comes to emotions. So he tells her about his newly discovered daughter, April. And Liz immediately knows who the mom is because of April's age. And Luke's serial monogamy. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, she I liked that woman. I think we're supposed to know that this this woman, even though she like quote unquote, like did this thing where she kept this from Luke, isn't a bad person. She's like a good we all we get good reports about her. Luke is worried about telling Lorelai, you know, Rory's back. It's like a delicate time and he's worried it's going to ruin everything. And Liz is like, it won't wreck anything unless you let it. You got to tell her. Luke is also a little confused because April doesn't seem interested in him being part of her life. He tells Liz that like she didn't want to go out for ice cream. Liz is like, oh, well, did you offer her pie? Did you offer her cake? Did you steal her a pie? (laughs) Steal her a pie. That's what a dad does. (laughs) 
And I was just like, do you offer a pie? Do you offer a cake? And he's like, kind of like, whatever. Part of me, though, is like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you had offered her some pasta, she was super into pasta. Right? Oh, yeah. She had specific pasta desires. Yeah. If you'd mentioned that, she might have been like, okay, dad. But then Luke comes to the conclusion with Liz that, you know, if, if April doesn't really want him to be part of her life, then he's not going to stress out about it. He did his part. He, you know, met up with her. He was there if they wanted him. But, you know, he doesn't have to be part of their life. It almost seems like Liz wants to tell him, like, well, maybe you should reach out. But he then sort of convinces himself, well, like, if they're not going to reach out, why should I? And then she's sort of supportive of him. But I feel like she would have told him, eh, maybe think about reaching out. Yeah, maybe. Because she starts to say something and then he sort of like convinces himself he's not going to. And mm-hmm. she's just like, OK. Hmm. She kind of just lets him talk and figure it out. Yeah. And he says it's settled. He says it's settled. But then at the end, Suki has made Thanksgiving dinner for Lorelai, Rory, Luke, and all of Liz's friends. Because apparently Liz melted her turkey. What? She's like, who knew a turkey could melt like that? I, I don't, if it's melting, it, it something's can. wrong. <laughs> How hot does it have to be to melt a turkey? Maybe it wasn't a turkey. Also, there's so much food. No, Liz brought like 12 people. Yeah. But it looks like there's 12 people there only. And Suki makes like three turkeys. Yeah, there's, there's a lot happening here. Lorelai takes Luke aside and tells him about her meeting with Chris. And that was what the phone message is about and how he's going to be paying for Yale. She's a little nervous because obviously anything dealing with Chris upsets Luke and they just had a fight about it. And she's nervous. But then Luke just like surprisingly is totally fine with it. He's like, you know what? I think it's great. In fact, he's finally doing what a dad should do. Take care of his kids. Lorelai's like surprised he's taking it so well. And is like, huh, okay, that's, I didn't expect that. She's very happy and she thanks him. It's a little weird that Luke is uh, fine with that now, huh? Hmm, interesting. Very much like Buffy telling Willow she understands. Yeah. It's like a similar vibe. Yeah, he's clearly talking about himself here. Yeah. And then he decides that he just goes and makes a phone call. He just like kind of walks away. He makes a phone call from the kitchen calling April. He gets the voicemail and then hangs up. So he doesn't, it seems like maybe he's saying like, hey, I'd like contact. I don't know what else this phone call would have been about. It was impulsive. Then he just hangs up when he gets the answering machine. Maybe he's thought better of it or gets scared. But I don't know what else that phone call would have been about other than he wants contact with his daughter. I mean, yeah, just thinking about her on a holiday. I don't know. But yeah, I would say based on what he just learned about Christopher stepping up to be a dad, it inspired him to decide maybe he should step up. Yeah. Then Rory gets a call. From Honor, Logan's sister. And I think it's kind of funny because she says when she calls, like, hey, it's Honor Huntsberger. I really feel like that was in the script. To be like, in case you forgot, that's Logan's sister. Sure. Because <laughs> she says her last name. Also, right before she gets the call, Liz introduces Rory to the guy with no thumbs. <laughs> She's like, hey, have you met Freddie? He has no thumbs. <laughs> like, Yeah. Then the dude's like, want to shake my hand? It's like, you're weird, man. It's just like so weird to point out someone's disability when you introduce them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is Eric. He can't read real good. (laughs) So Honor is outside. I think she might be a little drunk. She's drinking and smoking. She has to be outside to smoke. And she's calling to say that she was super bummed to find out from Logan that she and Logan broke up. What? What? You could just see Rory's face fall when she hears this. Honor says that she hopes that they can still hang out and go shopping even if she's not with Logan. And Logan's dumb. He's his own worst enemy. Obviously, this is all a surprise to Rory. Rory's all like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, let's go shopping. Great. She hangs up, and she sits at the table, and then Luke comes back, and then we just have a lot of people with secret things going on inside their head. (laughs) Right. Where's TJ? Where is TJ? Like, he's around. He He might be an escrow right now. 
Yeah, that's where he is. <laughs> he's in escrow right now, boo. Because Liz mentioned him like he's not out of town. Yeah, I, yeah, he, he's probably at the table. I'm doing quotes right now. The actor probably wasn't available, but he was. He's probably at the table. He's probably supposed to be there. Right. So, Stacy, that's the whole episode. Do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Um, it's not particularly memorable. I guess I wouldn't say it's bad. Mm-hmm. I do think the Zach stuff was too much. Yeah. That needed to build more over a couple episodes, I think. Yeah. That would have made it better if this started in the last episode and he was like legit jealous of Brian for good reason. I would have maybe bought it. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same problem Buffy had. Yeah. And Lane acted well in that scene. I did like the stuff with Christopher. It's interesting that he's involved and everyone seems happy and cool with it. And we're definitely probably going to be setting up some drama with Emily and Richard, it seems. Yeah. But at the same time, that was like sort of... I don't know. There, were, there was like a lot of scenes where we were talking about this money. Lorelai and Rory were talking about it. Then Lorelai and Christopher talked about it. And then they all three talked about it. That was just kind of a big transaction that was stretched out over a lot of the episode. Yeah, over a lot of small scenes. But I thought the scene with Luke and Liz was great. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of funny stuff, like all the stuff with Rory coming back. Suki's reaction, Michelle's reaction. I really liked the opening scene with the bathroom and Paul yes. Anka. I would say it was good. It was just not a lot happened. And then the Zach scene was annoying. <laughs> the Zach scene was just too, was so much. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? Hmm. Okay, so I've thought about it. And this might surprise you, but I'm actually going to go Buffy. I think I am, too. I just, I feel like it was, uh, I, I okay, we tore apart the stuff we didn't like about it. But I think overall it was just better. It was a very emotional episode. There was a lot about it that was really good. I really liked the unmentioned callback to the stuff with Giles using stuff that was already there. I liked that. And so I've called it out on the things I didn't like, but I don't think the writing was necessarily bad for the rest of it. I thought it was good. When we were watching it, I was like, I don't like this. It feels like too much. But because that's what it is, I guess they did it well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where this was kind of just a filler Gilmore and there's also something to be said is the show probably wasn't like, no one wants to see Willow slowly fall into like debilitating addiction. Like that's just not, it was not really that fun to watch for one episode. We don't want to watch that for four episodes. Right. That would get old. So as much as I've given it shit, I have to say, I think it was, I think they did a good job. I like that Buffy. I want to amend, I don't think it was a filler Gilmore. I think it was a, we're setting stuff up Gilmore. Oh Yeah. Like Rory finding out about Logan. That's obviously yeah. something that happened right at the end that's setting something up. We didn't see Rich and Emily this episode. Something's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Christopher seems to be involved. Luke seems unsure in his decision. Like, we're we're going places after this. But this episode itself, though not bad, wasn't particularly memorable. Yeah. Double breakup with Lane and Rory. Lane didn't ex- actually break up with Zach that we saw, but it doesn't seem like they're good. If she stays with him, I can't imagine. But, like, his line about maybe this is why they shouldn't date, I mean, it seems to me like it's a breakup. Yeah. Buffy was rushed, but I think Buffy was better. I agree, though it was a hard choice. Yeah. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 11, The Perfect Dress. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 11, Gone. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you think the Willow stuff was rushed, or did you like the pacing? I know we're complaining about Willow stuff being rushed a lot in general. This was just like, bam, Willow stuff. Yeah. What would you make Christopher pay for? What do you think Rack gets from doing this? Don't actually tell us if they tell us. How did you feel about that Dawn slap? Would you try peanut butter and banana quesadillas? How long would you go not talking to your significant other before you thought that maybe you were broken up? Ooh. What happened to Liz's cranberries? (laughs) 
What is wrong with Liz and her baking abilities? Where was TJ? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer. We post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacey, where we post weekly video recaps of the show. Angel hosts monthly live streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Suzelle Roan. Thank you. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found in the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. I would have Chris buy us like an actual podcast studio, not the stuff that we put together. Yeah, and like... Two sinks? Two sinks. I would have Chris buy us two sinks. And also I'd have him live with us. Yeah, just to kind of cover anything that we need taken care yeah. of when we don't yeah, have yeah, to work yeah. and we can just like watch TV and snuggle. Steal him as many pies as he needed. That's the one thing. He won't buy pie. <laughs> anyway, you want to go to Rax? Yes. Let's do it. I don't care what it does to me. <laughs> I'm just going to take a little toy. It's all good.